Section 17 of The Lord of Death and the Queen of Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amy Graymore. The Lord of Death and the Queen of Life by Homer Eon Flint. Part 4 The Queen of Life. Chapter 4 A Puzzled World. For a moment, blank amazement gripped the four. Then amazement gave way to genuine apprehension. Were they insane to imagine that this man of another world had spoken to them in their own language? Each looked at the other and was astounded to see that all had heard the same thing. Presently the stranger spoke again. If anything, the kindly smile on his face became even broader. Suppose we postpone explaining how I am able to use your tongue. It will be easier for you to understand after you have been with us a while. He spoke slowly and carefully, yet with a faint lisp, much as some infant prodigy might speak. But there was no doubt that he had really done it. The doctor managed to clear his throat. "'You are right,' said he, with vastly less assurance than the amazing stranger. "'We will try to understand things in the order you think best to present them. You should know best.' Kinney introduced himself by name and profession, also the other three. The stranger nodded affably to each. "'You may call me Estra,' said he, pronouncing it Ethtra. "'There is no occupation on the earth corresponding with mine, but in my spare moments I am an astronomer like yourself.' The doctor silently marveled. He had not told the stranger about his hobby. Meanwhile the architect attempted to break the ice even finer. "'We take it for granted,' said she, rather nervously, "'that your people are somewhat further advanced than us on the earth. "'However, we expect to be given credit for having visited your planet before you visited ours.' "'She said this with an engaging smile which won an instant response. "'The Venusian's lips almost lost their curves in his generous effort. "'You will find that we greatly respect all that you have accomplished,' he declared earnestly. "'As for your apparatus—' glancing at the cube. You have the advantage on the earth of certain chemical elements which are entirely lacking here. Otherwise we should have called upon you long ago. He slipped a panel of glass to one side. Step in quickly, he exclaimed, gasping, and the four obeyed him without thought. It was only when the panel was replaced that they noticed the floor of the cage— it was of clear glass, like the sides, and looked totally incapable of bearing their combined weight. The Venusian smiled at Smith's worried look. "'The material is amply strong enough,' said he. "'I am only concerned about your machine there. Is it safe to be left alone?' "'So far as we know, yes,' answered Van Emmon, who did not feel quite as much confidence in the stranger as the rest. "'Then we can go down at once.' With these words the man in satin turned to a small black box in one wall of the elevator and touched a button. Footnote. For details of this and other matters of an electrical and mechanical nature, the technical reader is referred to Mr. Smith's reports to the ASME. Instantly the car began to descend, at first slowly, and then with swiftly increasing velocity. By the time the explorers had accustomed their eyes to the sudden semi-darkness, the cage was dropping at such a speed 
that the air fairly sang past its sides. Far overhead was a square, black shadow in the wax-like crust, which they had left. It was the shadow of the cube. All about them was a dimly lit network of braces, arches, and semi-transparent columns. To all appearances the system seemed to support the crust. Billy whirled upon the Venusian. "'I've got it now. The whole globe is covered with glass.' Estra smiled his approval. "'For thousands upon thousands of centuries, my friend, the thing was done when our ancestors first suspected that our planet was doomed to come so near the sun. It was the only way we could protect ourselves from the heat.' "'Great!' exploded the doctor, admiration overcoming regret that he had not thought of it himself. But Smith had other thoughts. "'How long did it take you to finish the job?' And what did it cost? Two centuries, and about twice the cost of your last war. I need only suggest to you that we colored the material so as to reflect most of the heat. That is why the material looks blue from below, although pink from above. Say, from Billy, how long are we to keep on dropping like this? We will arrive in a moment or two, answered the smiling one. The roof is raised several miles above the sea level in order to cover all the mountains. By this time the four were able to make out things pretty well. They saw that the dimness was only relative. The Venusian world was actually as well lighted as any part of the earth on a cloudy day, and they saw that they were descending in a locality of astonishing beauty. The stranger halted the car so that they could inspect the scene as though from an airplane. In no way did the landscape resemble that of the earth. To begin with, pillars of huge dimensions were placed every quarter-mile or so. It was these that supported the intricate archwork above. They were made of the same translucent stuff as the crust, but had a light topaz tint. The Venusian said, "'You will not need to be told that the science of metallurgy has advanced quite far with us. All our metals can be made transparent.' if we like. Those pillars are colored variously in different regions, so as to be clearly distinguishable, and prevent collisions of flying apparatus. But Van Emmon and Billy were both more interested in what lay between the columns. They scarcely noticed that there were no people in sight at the time. The ground was covered with an indescribable wealth of color, and it was only by a close examination that the buildings could be distinguished as such for they were all made of that semi-transparent stuff. Of every conceivable tint and shade, the structure showed an utter lack of uniformity in size, shape, or arrangement. Moreover, the ground was absolutely packed with them. They spread as far as the eye could reach. But if there was a profusion, there also was confusion, apparently. Streets ran anywhere and everywhere. There was no visible system to anything and where there was no space for a building, invariably there was a shrub, a bush, or a small tree of some kind, all in full flower. The only sign of regularity to be seen was in the roofs. Practically all of them were flat. Whether the building was some rambling, loosely gathered agglomeration of berry-colored wings, or a single towering skyscraper of one tint, Almost inevitably it was crowned with a perfectly level surface. "'I see,' said Van Emmon thoughtfully. 
You have no rain. Precisely, from Astra. We have the air completely under our control. We give our vegetation artificial showers when we think it should have it, not when nature wills. And similarly, we use electricity instead of sunlight, that we may stimulate its growth. In short, Van Emmon put it as the car slid slowly down the remaining distance, in short, you have abolished the weather. The Venusian nodded. And I'll save you the trouble of suggesting, he added, that we are nothing more nor less than hothouse people. End of chapter 4 Recording by Amy Graymore www.amysmindtoyourmind.com